Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Philippians chapter 3. Are you ready? Look in your Bible. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Here's what we're going to talk about for a few moments. We're going to look in the Word of God. This is one week prior to Easter. I want you to be thinking about the week before Easter 2,000 years ago. I want you to think about what was going through, first of all, the mind of Jesus. I want you to think about what was going through the mind of his mom. I want you to think about what was going through the mind of Judas. I want you to think about what was going through the mind of the Roman soldier that helped nail him to the cross. I want you to think about Simon Peter and then think about the religious people, the scribes and the Pharisees that were at that crucifixion. What was going on in their mind? I want you to look at something that most of the time we pass right by and don't see that is so extremely important. Knowing God, before I read the scripture, listen, knowing God should be the fervent, lifelong pursuit of every believer. Knowing him. Not knowing about him, but knowing him. He was known as the suffering servant. Then he was known as the resurrected Lord. He is also known as the soon coming king. But until you know Jesus... In no way can you be prepared for Resurrection Sunday, nor for any of the rest of your life. I want to show you something that Paul brought out that was such a beautiful teaching for us that say we're believers, we say we know Jesus, but let's look and see if this is reality in your life. So would you please stand for just a moment out of respect to the scripture, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Paul is writing, but what things were gained to me, this is talking about when he became a believer, what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now here's a key verse that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and listen to this, and the fellowship, the fellowship of his sufferings, be made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also... I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. May God bless the reading of his word. And would you be seated? Somebody may have said to you something like this. It's not what you know, but who you know. It's not what you know, but who you know. It's not what do you know about religion 
What do you know about the Catholic faith? What do you know about the Baptists, the Methodists, the Church of Christ, the Pentecostals, the Buddhists, the Muslims? It's not what do you know about the faith or the religion, but the question I ask you is what do you know about Jesus? How well do you know Jesus? Do you know him at all? Not do you know who he is, not have you recognized that he's God's son, he is the suffering servant, he is the king that came at Christmas as a little baby, he is the resurrected Lord, and he's a soon coming king of kings and lord of lords. Not that, but how would you lay out on a piece of paper the facts that you know Jesus, you know him? Now hold to that for a moment, and I'll be right back there. If you go to the Bible, the shepherds came on the night, Christmas, to see Jesus. If you will look carefully at the scripture, the wise men came to see Jesus. Paul said, I want to know Jesus. I want to know him. I don't want to just see him. It's not some phenomenon out there that's got my curiosity, but I want to know him. Now, here's my question. Do you know him? Now, let me help you as you're trying to think about do you know him? What do we mean by that? How do you know when you know somebody? You have a fellowship with them is a biblical word. That's two fellows in the same ship, okay? That's what that word means. You either go up together or you go down together. Now, here's, my, here's the thing. How do you know when you know somebody? Let me give you some hints. You know that you know somebody if you know how they're going to act in whatever situation. Like if you're married to a, to a person and they just, they just scream whenever there's an accident. All they do is scream. And that's the first thing they do before they call 911. Well, whenever they do that, you start thinking. It could be an accident because every time there is one, they scream. They holler. They carry on. How, how do people react when you tell them something that you think is funny, but they don't laugh? Because they don't get it. Or how do people react when you're in China and you're speaking English to them and all they know is Chinese? They don't, act, they don't react very good, do they? How, how well do you... When you say, I know someone, then you know how they handle sorrow. How do they handle sickness? How do they handle finances? How do they handle relationships, friendships? How do they handle life? If you don't know how they're going to handle life, you don't know them. Now, how do you know Jesus? The way you know that you know Jesus, you know what he thinks about sin. You know what he has experienced in suffering and how he reacted. If you know Jesus, you know how he responded to those that crucified him. And by the way he responded, and how did he respond? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Is that the way you respond to those that crucify you in your mind? Father, forgive them. What did he think about when he was going back to be with the Father, hanging on the cross, he looks down, thinking about what we're going to do here tonight. He looks down, he says, John, take care of Mother. Make sure 
I'm going back. Make sure that you take care of her. Make sure you've arranged to take care of mom. Now the centurion at the cross, he said, surely this man was a son of God. The religious people hated Jesus. They hated him. Now they were the religious people. But he wasn't what they were expecting because they did not really know what to look for. Although they were told in the Old Testament, look for the Messiah. The Messiah is coming. He will teach you all truth. He will be the suffering servant. Go back and read Isaiah 53. But in order to know Jesus, you have to know how does he respond to your lackadaisical attitude. Maybe even your laziness. Maybe your complacency. How does he respond to your sneaking around and trying to sin and him not know about it. If you watch the news, even last night, it'll be on again today. It makes news because it's entertainment to a lot of people. Last night it was Panama City, Florida. 200 to 300,000 college students and high school students are there for spring break. So the cameramen are out filming all this going on down there. I guarantee you if you went down there and could just kind of close it in and take a survey, you would find many of those students would say, I'm a Christian, I believe in God, I know Jesus, I know whatever. But they were showing last night the different ways that they can drink beer now. They were showing how they act just like animals out in public and all of this kind of stuff. And yet, there are those there that will say, but I know Jesus and I'm just going to party, party, party. If you knew Jesus... Sin breaks Jesus' heart. Jesus was nailed to the cross by sin. He died for sin. He died to separate us from sin. But if you don't know him, but you only know about him, then you think that he's a kind of a God like you and I would be, and that is we would have a chart up there, and as long as our blue stars outnumber our red stars, and the blue stars are the good ones, and the red stars are the bad things we've done, the blue ones are the good, as long as we have more blue stars and red stars, we got a chance, and we have more blue stars than everybody else we know that has blue stars. We know that we're in. Because I may be bad, but I'm not near as bad as that person that I came here with. And I was just with the crowd. I was just with the group. Well, how would you describe yourself when it comes to what Paul said? I would just want to know Jesus and the fellowship of his servants. Say, well, that guy's crazy. Could I ask you a question? Did Paul need to know Jesus in his life? Did you read the part about how many times he was shipwrecked, how many times he was in prison, how many times he was scourged, how many times did he go hungry, how many times was he left alone? Like when he wrote 2 Timothy 4, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Bring me my coat, I'm cold in this cold cell. You think that he needed Jesus to know that he was going to be there you bet he did I don't know what my future holds you do not know what your future holds but I'm going to say to you you're going to need Jesus somewhere along the way you're going to get one of those phone calls we don't escape it in this life it may be different from someone else but you may hear that doctor give those terrible words I've got bad news you, you may have that terrible accident that leads to years of rehabilitation. You may have that situation where you lose your job in the midst of the most difficult financial times that you have ever been in with your family. My question is, do you know him? 
Because if you know him, you know how he thinks. And the way you know how he thinks, he put it in his word. For instance, if you have lost your income, it's good to know in the fourth chapter of Philippians, the 19th verse, it says, My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. If you go through the valley of the shadow of death, you know Psalms 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he will be with me. How do you know? He may be busy. He's got to take care of a whole lot of people all over the world. Do you realize how many billion people are there? He can't be with all of them at all. Oh, yes, he can. Oh, yes, he can. That's called the Holy Spirit. He said, before I go back, you're fixing to head into a mess. I can't be with all of you, but I'm going to send one, the comforter, who will guide you into all truth. And when you come home on that lonely night from the courthouse and the judge has slammed down the gavel and said, divorce granted, and you walk back into that open house, it's good to know he is there. He will not leave me, and he has a plan. I'm going to trust him. Some want to know about Jesus, but the Lord wants us to know him, to know him, not about him. The scripture records the history, but he said, I want you to know me. I don't want you to go around on a guilt trip where I told you if you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Why are you carrying that burden? Why don't you take it to the cross and leave it there? That's what he's saying. Paul is saying, that's the way I want to know my Lord. He, he talks about all the bad things that he's done. But he said, only because I know him, I know what it means to be saved, as was sung a while ago. I know that my God is love. And if I will honestly confess and repent, he will deal with this issue. A lot of people know the Bible that don't know the Lord. They quote it backwards and forwards, but they still don't know him. They think that it was written so they could go around and put people down because they know something. You know, they know how many wood nails there were in the ark or how long the ark was and somebody didn't know and whatever. That's not the point. Do you know the author? Do you know who wrote it? That's the way you un understand the scriptures too. When a scripture, when it's in a translation from one language to the other, if you know the author, you know what he intended to say and how he worked through those that wrote the Bible in our language so we could understand it. What a joy it is to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know your sins have been forgiven, not by others. <laughs> but by him. Some of you have sinned, and you'll never be forgiven by the people you sinned against, not in this life. But he'll forgive you if you know him. Well, there's so much more when you know, know God. How does he think? How does he think? Is he out to get me? There used to be a song, God's going to get you for that. Like, God's out to get you. He doesn't want to get you. He wants to release you. He wants to free you. He loves you. What do you think hurts God the most? Sin does. Already said that. What pleases him the most? For you to trust him. Just trust him. Only trust him. Only trust him. He'll save you and he'll save you right now. Where is Jesus going? Where did he go? I go and prepare a place for you. 
Jesus said, if I go and prepare a place for you, watch this, I'm going to come again and I'm going to receive you unto myself that where I am, there you will be also. Where is he? He's sitting by the right hand of the Father. What for? To see how this thing all settles out. And one day there's going to be a trumpet sound. Every one of us will not hear it on any news broadcast. The trumpet will sound and everyone will hear it. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. For some, it'll be too late as far as an eternity with God. But they'll have to say, I was wrong. And that's hard for people to do. God was right. The scripture is God's word. You know, folks, the more you know God, the more you love God. You ever say that about somebody else? I don't guess there's any compliment you can pay to somebody to say to them, you know so oh, you know her? Let me tell you something about her. The more you get to know her, the more you're going to love her. You know that guy? Let me tell you something about him. I've known him for years. I've been in with him, played golf, been hunting, fishing, went to church with him. Our kids were on the same ball team. We umpired together. Let me tell you, I know that guy. And the more you get to know him, the more you're going to like him. Well, that's a great compliment. Let me tell you something. The more you, the more you know Jesus, the more you're going to like him. And the more you know Jesus, through the Holy Spirit leading you to Jesus, the more you're going to love the Father. And the more you're going to yearn for that day when you'll be able to gather around the throne of God and praise him and enjoy that place that is so awesome. Today we had a guest from Colorado. Every time I see somebody in Colorado, I tell them, I said, I'm going to tell you something. You live out there in Colorado, you have advantage of some of those of us that live on the flat plains of Texas because the Bible says eyes have not seen and ears have not heard what God has in store for those that love him. Now for those that live in Colorado, they look out there and they think, I've seen it all. They say, you haven't seen anything even when you've seen Colorado. I don't know what he says about us living down here in Texas at the Johnson Grass Flats, but the point being that God has prepared a place for us and one day he's going to call us home and if we know him, we know that he would not tell us a lie. He would not tell you to forsake all and follow my son Jesus. He would not lie to us. He's telling us the absolute truth. And he says, if you will follow me, I will lead you through every situation. And one day, one day, I'll share everything I have in glory with you. When Jesus becomes your Lord, your priorities or rearrange you look differently at adversity you look differently at success it changes our way of thinking when we make a decision to know that one day I'm going to stand before God but when we're in his presence it's the greatest peace that we ever experience it's the greatest peace we ever experience just to know he is here you can touch him and will never be the same. Paul was willing to undergo any harsh treatment. And he says it over and over in his writing. He said, I'll undergo any harsh treatment, any suffering, if I can just know him, if I can just know God. It's a great day when you quit focusing on your problems and start focusing on God's purpose for your life. God, why did you put me here? 
not only now, but where you did. Why did you give me this husband? Why did you give me this wife? Why did you give me these three kids? Well, at least two of them. <laughs> God said, I had a plan. I got a plan. But you know what? When we really began to know the Lord and we go through suffering, some way God reveals to it to us, I've been through it. I've been through it. He says, no temptations come upon you. It's not common to man. And with it, I'll make a way of escape. He says in Hebrews, I, was, I also was tempted, just as you are. I was without sin. I know what you're up against. I know the temptation. I know everybody's doing it. I know this. I know that. But I will take the hit. You follow me. I will do the blocking. I will get those out of the way that you're so afraid of. And if you lose anything, Mark 10 says, in this present life, I'll replace it 100-fold in this world as well as in the world to come. Nobody sacrifices anything to follow Jesus. You just trade stuff in. You trade in the junk for the good stuff if you follow him. There's a whole lot of difference between an earthly friend and a heavenly Savior. A whole lot of difference. Do you know the heavenly Savior? Paul was not, not content in just embarking on missionary journeys, good as they were. Going on mission trips. And, and, and just uh, seeing people saved. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it. I've been on a lot of them. Nothing like seeing that except one thing. The one thing that's greater than that is to know Jesus. To know him if you had to stay home and could not go. But I know in whom I have believed. And I am very definitely confident that that which I have, that he has begun in me, he will complete it to the day of judgment. Paul wanted to know who he was in Christ he knew that God's power could become his power, that God's ways could become his ways. He learned how to be an overcomer. You ever wanted those things? Have you ever wanted to be an overcomer? Say, I, can, I, I don't have to do it. I've, I've, I've lived long enough. I do not have to commit myself to be like the majority. I'm going to be who God wants me to be. And I'll let you in on a little secret. God will give you as much of himself as you want or you desire, but you've got to want it. Well, I don't mind telling you when Jesus comes in your heart, it may change your itinerary. There's some things you won't be going to. There's some things that everybody's doing that you won't be doing if he comes into your life. Jesus has a way of upsetting a whole lot of people. And when he comes into you, he'll upset a lot of people. But I'll tell you one thing. It don't take a rocket scientist to know if, you ever, if, if there's some things out there and you say, I hope that never happens to me. If you abstain from it, it'll never happen to you. There's, some, there's ways where you don't have to worry about sexually transmitted diseases. You don't have to be, worry about becoming an alcoholic. You don't, have to be a, you don't have to worry about hitting somebody drunk one night and have to live with that the rest of your life. You don't have to worry about those things if he lives in you. 
Because as I talked to you about last night, wise people abstain from the appearance of evil. Smart people think they're smart enough to know how much they can do and get by with it. And it explodes in their face. But if you just back up and say, I'm just going to be, as I believe Jesus wants me to be, a climber. We've coined a word, backslid, backslid. Now, that's not a Catholic word. I'm not sure it's a Methodist word, but I know it's a, back, a Baptist word. Backslidden Baptist. What is backsliding? Well, I went up and I slid back. And I went up and I slid back, you know. So I'm backslid. Let me tell you something. When you're following Jesus, you don't need a reverse gear. It's like climbing a mountain. You ever climb a mountain? Let me tell you what. If you're going out in the mountains and your car loses its reverse, you can still climb the mountain. Because you don't have any use for reverse gear when you're going up a 12,000 foot mountain. He said, I don't understand what you're saying. Just trust me. <laughs> you never go up those mountains and throw it into reverse because at 6,000 feet, you throw it in reverse. You can be at 500 feet momentarily, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and when you're following Jesus, you say, well, I just don't know what I'm going to do if, if, I, if I fail, if I backslide. You follow Jesus, and he'll hold on to you, and you won't do that. You just keep climbing, climbing higher, higher, and every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before, if you know him. And the Bible says in John 10, 27, listen to this, my sheep hear my voice, and they know me. How about that? My sheep, us, hear his voice, and I know them. And he is the good shepherd. The more you know the Lord, the, more, uh, the less appealing the things of the world become. Another great songwriter wrote, The things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Nobody ever, ever regrets giving up the world and following Jesus if they're really following him because he promised that he would not withhold any good thing from us. Well, our time is gone. I'm just going to give you seven things just as fast as I can say them without comp uh, commenting on them. How can you know Jesus? First of words, you got to want, first of all, you got to confess that you don't know him. Number two, you go to God's word. You learn God's word. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Number three, you spend a, tone, a long, some time with God in prayer. You say, well, how long do I have to pray? I had a young man at a church years ago. Somebody told him 30 minutes. Next Wednesday night he came back. He said, I run out of stuff to say at five minutes. <laughs> you know why? Because people, when they pray, they just pray, Father, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. What you going to give me? Give me this, give me that, do this, do that, do that. Got all that down, God, and I'd like to have it by Friday because, I mean, by Wednesday because, you know, tax time is coming. <laughs> Let me tell you about how you pray 30 minutes. Talk from three to five minutes and listen for 25 minutes. It'll change your life. Praying is not telling God how to run the world. Praying is opening the door and listening to what God has planned for you today and say, speak, Lord, I'm listening. I'm listening. Number three, worship every time you can. Number four, ask the Lord to take charge of some personal practical area of your life you're having trouble in. What are you having trouble in? Lust? Overspending? Anger? What are you having trouble? 
You name it, tell God, don't tell me. Turn it over to God. That, that area, just deal with that particular area. Say, God, help me, help me to know what to do. Take over this area of my life. Number five, read the biographies of great Christians. The men, George Mueller, Oswald Chambers, Hudson Taylor, Martin Luther, John Calvin, women, Corey Ten Boone, Lottie Moon, uh, 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 excuse me, Corey Ten Boone, and Lottie Moon, that we have our Christmas offering, the missionary to China. Johnny Erickson, you remember her great testimony? Ruth in the Bible, Naomi. Read those biographies. Number six, look for Jesus in everything. Look for Jesus in everything. Number seven, lay aside everything in your life that supersedes your passion for Jesus. Number eight, refuse to live in disobedience. And number nine, start right now. Today is the day of salvation. Now is accepted time. Romans 12 said, See that we're being encompassed by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us run the race with patience. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of the race, who bore the shame, but now sits down by the right hand of the Father. He is there. You can touch him, and you'll never be the same. I want you to think about it. You don't have to ask permission. He's already granted you permission to the throne. He's already said, I want to adopt you. I want to adopt you, and I will be your God, and you'll be my child. How do you do it? Confess your sin. What do you mean by that? Just acknowledge I'm a sinner. You don't have to, you don't have to name him. He already knows him. I am a sinner. I have rebelled against you. I believe that you're the son of God. I'm asking you to take over my life. And I invite the Holy Spirit to come in my heart from this day forward to guide me into this new journey. And I ask it with a willingness to repent, which means to quit walking with everybody else and to know God and walk with him. When you do that, he becomes your Lord and your Savior. With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, this is a very private thing, very personal thing. But I can assure you there's probably several hundred people in this auditorium right now. Some have been around church all their life, but they've never had that personal relationship with God. You know you haven't. It's an up and down deal. It goes for a while, then it quits. God's not the first thing in your life. It's way down the list. If there was other things today in Houston, you'd be there. But since there wasn't, the weather's pretty good, you come. That's just a fact. What about putting him first and letting him come into your life? How do I do that, preacher? Just pray. Here's what the Bible says, Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For whosoever, that's you, that's me, shall be saved. Now, you may be a church member and you need to pray that prayer. You may be a church member having been baptized and you still need to pray that prayer because you never asked Jesus in your life. Now, if you pray that prayer, dear God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me. I repent of my sin. In Jesus' name, amen. 
We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.